0: back to well that's interesting the drugs and fire where you wouldn't necessarily expect them edition oh my god
1: (laughs) drugs and fire together at last jill (laughs) that's a bad combo sometimes sometimes Sometimes. i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna lie drugs and fire sounds like like um, like an 80s hair metal song? It does.
0: Oh, my God, it does. Right? Like
1: drugs and fire. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that.
0: My God, it really does. And I'm Jill Chacha. I'm with, <laughs> just rocking out, Marissa Riley. That's me. I'm <laughs> on fire. <you laughs> so, if this is your first time, welcome to the flock. Uh, Dr. Riley here uh, when she's not... Doing her hair metal thing. <laughs> she comes in cold and
1: she learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. Uh, I had no idea what this episode was going to be about. That's right. But sometimes Jill gives me a little hint, she gives me a little teaser. And the only teaser <laughs> I got this week was she kept saying over and over, I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited because uh, this is in between me, 044 fish on meth and volcanoes made of mud. No. So,
1: yes. Why are the fish on meth? So many questions. Jill. Yes. <laughs> Why are the volcanoes made of mud? I am so confused. That's, hopefully
0: I'll, I'll sort it out for you. But uh, yeah, should we just dive in? Should we just get to the fish on meth part? I, I, please, okay. Okay. hurry. Okay, so let's just do it. I have so, to know. Okay, so to start off today's in-betweeny, let's do it. Let's start off with some good news. Okay, okay. And, by yes. good, and by good news, I mean not at all. So, okay. <laughs> concentrations of meth or methamphetamines can be found in rivers all over the world. Awesome. Yeah. Now, according to reports in the journals Chemosphere and Water, detectable levels can range from nanograms to dozens of micrograms per liter of water. Great. I know. And if you're wondering how these pharmaceuticals end up there, well, there's a lot of ways, and this is an in-betweeny, so we're not going to get quite into it. But I will post a very oddly pleasant graphic slash flowchart on our social media to help show the many ways pharmaceuticals uh, end up in our rivers. (laughs) Y'all,
1: I love a flowchart. I fucking love a flowchart. Great. I especially love a flowchart when it's about uh, meth in my rivers. (laughs) That's so organized. Yeah, you came, I,
0: you came to the right place. Amazing. <laughs> so,
1: so appreciative. So
0: check out our Instagram and our Twitter. Twitter that'll be up there. Uh, it's provided by the U.S. Geological Survey. Um, but one particular pathway that we're going to talk about, how meth ends up in a stream, is thus. And I'm quoting the USGS.gov website here. Uh, quote, pharmaceuticals get into the water supply via human excretion. What? And by drugs being flushed down the toilet. No. You might think wastewater treatment plants would take care of the situation, but pharmaceuticals pass through water treatment. End quote.
1: I mean, yeah. so (laughs) they come out of us. Correct. (laughs) Then they come out of the water treatment situation. That's right. And then they go straight into the fish. You got it. Nailed it. That's right. She nailed it. That's terrible.
0: That's horrible, you guys. Yeah. So, knowing this information, that methamphetamine enters waterways through sewage systems all over the world, Pavel Horké, uh, he's an associate professor and behavioral ecologist at the Czech University of Life Sciences in Prague, you know, he got to thinking. Okay. Okay. He wondered if the presence of this particular drug is enough to alter the behavior of fish— living in those bodies of water, Mm. maybe even causing symptoms of
1: addiction and withdrawal. You know, as someone who, uh, not to brag, had an Adderall (laughs) uh, (laughs) prescription once, um, I'm going to say yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah. big yes. Yes. Dr. Riley says yes, Uh, put a pin in that. (laughs) Will do. (laughs) She she gave a thumbs up. (laughs) So to test whether this occurs, he did what any of us would do. Get yourself a team of researchers. Okay. Okay. 120 brown trout. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit of meth. Oh, God. And then you just see what happens.
1: (laughs) We're just really going for it, (laughs) you guys. We're we're taking this very literally. So,
0: yes. Now, Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us the methodology of his study, as published just a few days ago on July 6th in the Journal of Experimental Biology and summed up very well by LiveScience.com?
1: Nothing would make me happier. All right. Quote, in the new study, the team specifically focused on brown trout, or Salmo truta, uh, which are (laughs) native to Europe, Western Asia, and Northern Africa, and have been introduced to every continent except Antarctica. The researchers placed 60 trout in a drug-free holding tank and another 60 in a tank laced with one microgram of meth Per liter of water, end quote. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they, uh, so they drunk some fish. Yeah. So good times. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like there was one, uh, chill tank and then another. A meth tank. A meth tank. Mm -hmm. Good times. So that drug-free tank is the control group, of course,
0: but that's not what we're here for. We're here for the party tank. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, party tank. (laughs) So let's talk about that one microgram of meth. Now, trout in the drug tank were left to soak, swim, and live their fishy lives there for two months. And during this, uh, well, this time period was chosen as a way to simulate extended drug exposure that may occur in a polluted river. Okay, okay. Now, when the two months ended... They were removed from that tank and then placed in a tank with clean water. Okay. And when this occurred, there was a, like a strange change in the behavior of the fish. Okay. So they barely moved. They were sluggish and they were nowhere near as active as their non-druggy counterparts. Essentially, they were going through shock and withdrawal. Sounds
1: about right. Yeah. Never leave the party tank. <laughs> never leave the party tank. Either never enter the party tank or <laughs> never leave the party tank. You got to pick one. Please, someone, someone cross-stitched that on a pillow. So, <laughs> so, let's, let's put it on a tote.
0: Put it on a tote. <laughs> merch, 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 merch. <laughs> so, uh, so this is some observable, uh, observable evidence uh, that they were affected by the meth, but more research was needed to determine if those fish really got hooked on drugs. Like, were they addicted? And since the fish couldn't answer directly, researchers did the next best thing. Mm. They gave them an option. Now, Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us how the researchers tested for dependency as told by Harkey to live science? I
1: would really love to. (laughs) All right, quote, the team devised an experiment where fish could choose between swimming in clean water or water with trace amounts of math. (laughs) The new tank is designed such that the two streams of water Don't mix, but the fish can still swim between them. Mm -hmm. When previously exposed fish showed a preference for the meth-tainted water in the experiment, that would be taken as a sign of addiction to the drug. End quote. Mm -hmm. So basically, they can choose between clean water and fun water. Exactly. Or, or, sorry, meth-laced water. There you go.
0: Thank you, doctor. So, You're awesome. <laughs> so yeah, there's a new tank. They have two options. Uh, in your opinion, doctor Riley, what do you think is going to happen?
1: I think they're going to choose the clean water. Just kidding. They're going straight <laughs> to the party tank. Right to the
0: party tank. Okay. Let's see now.
1: These uh these previously
0: previously exposed fish went through the experiment on alternate days. The second, fourth, sixth, eighth, and tenth day. Okay. After being moved to the clean tank. Uh, but they weren't alone. Some of the control group who were never exposed to the drugs uh, also went through this experiment. Okay. Yeah. So researchers saw that in the first four days, the meth-exposed fish spent more time in the drugged water. There you go. Compared Duh. to the fish that had not been exposed to meth. Okay. But get this. As time went on, the more previously the uh, the previously exposed fish, the more that they spent time in their clean tank the less they went to the drug-filled waters of the experimental tank Oh. when they were moved there. Yeah. So they were, like, slowly getting clean, and they were choosing to, like, remain that way. They were, yeah, they were rehabilitating exactly. themselves. Yeah. And uh, they were, like, avoiding the meth water.
1: Which is, yeah. which is so good. Meth is so exhausting. <laughs> it's so bad for you in so many ways. We're making a lot of jokes about it. It really is not. Yeah. It's yeah. not a good thing. No. And I'm so happy that these fish were able to realize that and, and, you know, get some rest. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh,
0: so these are pretty interesting, observable, observe, I'm having trouble with observable. There you go. That's a tough one. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Let's say it together. Observable. Observable. Nailed it. Okay. Observable changes. Um, but it, and it turns out there were very apparent changes to the fish's brains as well. What? Yeah. Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us, according to LiveScience.com, what happened in their little noggins during this uh, experiment?
1: I would love to talk about their little noggins. What a cute uh, coupling of words. <laughs> All right. Quote, uh, to get better insight into these behavioral changes, the team took samples of the fish's brain tissue and screened them for both methamphetamine and... Amphetamine, uh, a metabolic byproduct of the drug. Uh, the amount of amphetamine in the brain, which would indicate past exposure to meth, correlated with the subdued swimming behavior seen in the trout uh, seen in the trout experiencing withdrawal. Conversely, methamphetamine appeared in the brains of the fish that chose to swim in the drugged water during the behavioral experiment. This acute exposure correlated with an uptick in swimming, again hinting that the meth offered relief from withdrawal in addicted fish, end quote. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, but it's (laughs) all in their brains. That's just so interesting. I didn't realize, like, it makes so much sense that it becomes part of your brain that's telling you to do this. Yeah
0: it changed their brain
1: it changed their brain and the way they make yeah, their choices exactly
0: the n dot com it changed their brain totally from a molecular level
1: yeah 100% yeah. incredible so
0: this one study suggests that it's possible fish can get addicted and potentially spend more time in areas where pharmaceuticals are concentrated essentially this could alter migration patterns feeding patterns and changes in the balance of ecosystems oh, um, shit
1: i i got so like um focused on their, uh, their study, yeah. that I completely forgot why we were doing this, which yeah. is that it affects fish everywhere. Yes, exactly. A- and uh, nature itself. Yeah. The fabric of the universe. that's, that's right. That's Being right. altered by meth. That's right. In your pee. That's right.
0: That's right. It's all, it all comes down to our pee. Yep. Now, here's a very strange light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, question mark. Now, Jorge noted that this was a laboratory-controlled experiment, and the fish were only exposed to meth. In the wild, fish are exposed to a literal cocktail of drugs, and the effects may not be as extreme or they may be even worse. Oh my god. We don't know. We don't know. Basically, other studies and observations in the wild need to be done to understand what these little fish are going through. Aww. Because they are going through something, these lab studies show. Yeah. You know, we just have to hope that they're not scoring pure meth out there. Yeah.
1: Oh my so, god, just don't do it. Yeah. It's not worth it.
0: Now, after the break... We're going to watch something blow up. Oh yeah,
1: we are. <laughs> That's right. Good times. The fire part. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Please do.
0: Hey there. I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and, of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: A lot happens every day. Cut through some of the noise by listening to What's New with Wired, a podcast that provides in-depth coverage on technology and culture. With new episodes released every weekday, you can catch up on all the major events you missed,
0: Hey everyone jill chacha here from well that's interesting and i am absolutely thrilled to tell you about spotify for podcasters i use it i love it and it all started by downloading the free spotify for podcasters app which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast spotify for podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms so when you hit publish Your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, GoodPods, the other ones. (laughs) You get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please... Stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back, and we're having a beach day. Ooh, la la. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's head on back to uh, July 4th, just a few days ago, but we're not in the States. Oh. Okay, we're on the shores of Azerbaijan, a beautiful ancient country along the shores of the Caspian Sea. Oh my, <laughs> take me there. <laughs> Now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, hold tight. I got you. Thank gosh. Now, <laughs> locate Italy in your mind. Okay. Okay. Now, travel southeast to Greece. Okay. Travel farther east to Turkey. Okay. Now, just a stone's throw east from Turkey is Azerbaijan.
1: Ah. Finally, here we are. At <laughs> last.
0: <laughs> like I said, we're chilling on the coast, looking out into the gorgeous, massive Caspian Sea. Ooh. The sun is setting, and dare I say... It's a little romantic. Oh, stop. (laughs) It's about 9.51 in the evening, and Dr. Marissa and I are about to kiss. Oh my gosh, yes we are! (laughs) When there, in the distance, about 46 miles away, we see this. Oh
1: no. (laughs) Great.
0: Now, I'll have a screenshot of this on our social media stuffs, but Dr. Marissa, I'd like to show you a video that local news station BNO News posted via Twitter. Okay. Now, if you would, please describe what you see and actually what many folks witnessed that day okay I'm now... so nervous okay I'm gonna pull this up for you okay and just
1: tell us what you see okay I see a sunset so far over gorgeous water
0: okay okay
1: Here's I'm the looking fl- over a boat uh the the what do you call the the, the ledge of a boat yeah I'm, I'm on a boat <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm trying to tell you.
0: uh, Here's the fun thing. That big fireball, we're going to notice that that's not the sun. What? Yeah. Ready? Okay. I'm going to play it. Ready? Jesus.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. Pause. Pause, pause, pause. Pause? All right. Pause. Okay. So what looked like a sun setting into the ocean water, much like something you would see as the background of like an inspirational quote, Uh, gorgeous setting sun was not a sun at all no it was a bursting ball of fire yep uh that became bigger and bigger like a bigger bigger circle and then finally you were able to see that it is just bits of fire shooting high up into the sky give me some more play me some more this loud noise! Yeah. Oh my God! It is straight up fire. It just looks like fire. fire. Yep. Yeah. It's a column of fire. A column of fire.
0: Forty-six miles away, and it looks massive. It's
1: <laughs> massive. It's horrifying. I'm like hot just thinking about it, and not in a fun way hot. Yeah.
0: This
1: is a big ass fire. Yeah. Do you want to see it again? I uh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> It's so interesting. So it starts off looking like the sun, but then they kind of focus it and you can see it's just this column of fire. Yeah. Highly recommend taking a look.
0: Yeah. It
1: is, I, I'm trying to describe it, but honestly, it's indescribable. It's really incredible. Now, yeah. this video
0: was taken by one of the workers on an oil rig out at its sea. Oh my God. Um, Actually, okay. one of the many, many, many oil rigs controlled by the state oil company SOCAR turns out over two-thirds of Azerbaijan is chock full of oil and natural gas oh no yeah. so when is it when this explosion occurred it and raged on for a full eight minutes. What? People feared the worst, uh, maybe a pipeline burst or perhaps a rig somewhere out there with its own team of workers combusted. No, 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 no. Luckily, this wasn't the case. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Sokar spokesman Ibrahim Amadov reached out to the press, noting there was nothing to report on their end. No loss of life, no damaged equipment. In fact, their investigation led them away
1: from the Umed gas field, where most of their operations take place. Thank God. But also, this fire looked like the scariest thing in the world. It was about to give me a heart attack, <laughs> and I am on the other side of the planet. <laughs> right. That was scary as shit. Yeah.
0: Uh, so this investigation took them away from the Umed gas field, uh, six miles, in fact, from that field deeper into the Caspian Sea. What? And there, my friends, is a little island called Dashli, island ashley oh but tis no ordinary island it's a mud volcano okay
1: um (laughs) what is you know what i'm gonna ask yeah what the hell is a mud volcano jill
0: (laughs) so what is it before we get into a mud volcano what do you think of when
1: you i just say the word volcano i i think of a mountain looking thing yeah that uh Throws up lava and fire, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they don't do anything for hundreds of years, (laughs) and people just talk about them, but sometimes they erupt uh, molten lava from the core of the earth, I think, question mark, Um, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole fucking thing. It's a whole thing. (laughs) Now, how can I
0: put this about mud volcanoes? They're kind of like the khaki shorts of volcanoes. That's embarrassing. (laughs) But don't get me wrong, man. When they blow, they can fucking blow. Okay. I mean, this most recent explosion created a sixteen hundred foot column of fire into the air that lasted for eight minutes. And we'll get into how they do it in a bit. Okay. But visually, let's just say they're unassuming. Okay. Um this one made me sweat though. <laughs> this yes. Now, Doctor Marissa, I would love to show you an aerial view of Dashley Island and I'll provide a photo of it on our social media too but would you do the honor of describing to the best of your ability what this here volcano looks like absolutely i will try my best okay now this is provided by smithsonian magazine uh and you can tell this is a an official video from the azerbaijan republic as you can see it's very official in the beginning here we go
1: all right. Highly recommend. But, oh, my God. Okay, so I'm looking at an island. It's very small. And in the middle of the island, it just looks like a giant fire. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a long fire. It's like kind of a... It's But the thing is, I don't see a volcano. It's just like a hole in the ground. There you go. Is that a hole in the ground it's with fire? Home. That's right. Fucking hole in the ground. Few holes in the ground. Is it one hole? Is this one hole? It could be. I've never been there, but it's definitely at Jill, least one. Jill, you've never been there. <laughs> what? It sort of looks. Any okay, similar? I see. I see. So, all right. Okay, pause. Yeah. Okay, so this is not going to help. We're going to have to post a picture. <laughs> yeah. I Basically, will. it looks like a um, an, a small island, um, that brown, is brown made of mud. In the yeah. middle, there's kind of this pit and parts of. The inside of this pit are on little fires. That's right. But uh, all around, it's a big-ass situation.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, remember when I mentioned Azerbaijan is just bursting with gas and oil? How could I forget? Yes. Well, it, it really is. It's bursting at the fucking seams. And all of this escaping gas is causing a rare type of phenomenon. Okay. Or as so eloquently stated by Smithsonian Magazine, quote, Mud volcanoes aren't like typical volcanoes that spew molten rock or magma from the mantle. Okay. Now, if classic volcanoes vomit the Earth's churning guts, then mud volcanoes are more like a burp. Oh my god. Pressure from underground hydrocarbon gases builds up, and eventually, the gases force their way to the surface. Oh. On their way up and out, these gases mix mix with water and react with the
1: mineral deposits to create a muddy slurry. End quote. There's something I want to compare this to, but I won't. But you're all thinking it. <laughs> and I won't go there any further. Okay. Please right. continue. Okay. So basically,
0: over time, eruption after eruption, that muddy slurry around the... Um let's say, exit hole, Uh (laughs) (laughs) expands and solidifies. Uh, Sometimes you end up with like a little muddy mound. Sometimes you end up with an island like Dashli. And even crazier still, you could end up with volcanoes six miles in diameter and 2,300 feet tall, like the largest mud volcanoes in the world. Uh, They're called Kanazadag. Nailed Nailed it. it. (laughs) And Turagai. Both located in... You guessed it. Let's say it together. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan! That's right. Now, just as their sizes are fucking all over the place, so are their internal temperatures. What? Yeah, some mud volcanoes can be as hot as 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Fuck. While others can be super cool and even cold, around 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Why? Yeah. It all, like, depends on their water source. The deeper the source, the more it's heated by Earth's
1: toasty core. Oh, so it's all over the map yeah. I see this is a very it's it's complicated there's yeah. a lot going on with these little uh <laughs> fart volcanoes right. um I've been wanting to say the word fart for the last like four minutes um yeah, let it go so uh
0: no. <laughs> Now, these puppies are rare. There's just about a 1,000 known mud volcanoes. And if you've never seen one in person, that may be because nearly half are located in...
1: Azerbaijan. There you
0: go. But one question remains. Dr. Marissa, would you be so kind to tell us
1: why or how this muddy slurry can just catch a blaze? Uh, Nothing would make me happier. All right. Quote, according to Wikipedia, about 86% of the gas released from these structures is methane. There you go. Nailed it. All right. Uh, With this in mind, uh, quote, colliding rocks kicked up during the eruption could create sparks and ignite the escaping gases, suggests uh, geomechanist uh, Mark Tingay of the University of Adelaide, Australia. Other scientists have said uh, that the rapid change in pressures alone can also trigger an explosion, he says, end quote. There you go. Little farts.
0: Exactly, yeah. So as for our massive explosion on July 4th, it's possible that that an enormous growing pocket of gas was trapped and when it no longer could be held in, Ashley let it rip couldn't hold it
1: anymore yeah, she's exactly. trying so hard
0: yeah so my friends random burps randomly catching fire or random farts as you put it mm-hmm. random, randomly catching fire is something that exists and it makes me really happy and i certainly hope it makes you happy too but please do not stand too close to any mud piles you may see because
1: you just may never know I I will never <laughs> stand next to a mud pile again. Yeah. I will respect its space. Yeah. And I will, if something happens, I will pretend like it was the chair. That's right. Because I'm a good friend right. and partner.
0: <laughs> uh, that is the end of our betweeny 044. <laughs> Please. Amazing. Subscribe, rate, tell your friends about random holes in the earth that just
1: fart. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't forget to DM us, email us about uh, your experiences uh, with uh, farty volcanoes or anything really. Uh, oh. We would love to hear about things you think are interesting because, hate to break it to you, we will think it's fascinating as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And we will read it on the show. Yeah. Uh, and please stay interesting. Please do.